Welcome to the Carbon Stations podcast, where we speak to some of the leading figures in the emerging carbon industry. Today, our guest is Dr. Leah Ellis, CEO and founder of Sublime Systems, a startup that is revolutionizing the cement industry with the help of groundbreaking technology, which enables the production of low carbon cement. Leah, it's a pleasure to meet you and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, now, as you know, this podcast tries to focus on the people driving the transition to a net zero economy. So before we discuss what it is that Sublime Systems does, I'm really interested in getting your backstory. What is it that you used to do before Sublime and uh, how did you wind up in this industry to begin with? Um, Violet, I'm so, I'm so happy to be here on this podcast. Um, I am an electrochemist by training. So before I got into cement, I did a PhD in lithium ion battery chemistry. We were actually um, working with a group that was sponsored by Tesla and we were developing cell chemistry. But, and you know, I've always been drawn to, to science and especially to chemistry. I just think it's, it's so magical and so creative. It's a way of changing matter and energy and using, <laughs> using matter and energy to create other forms of matter and energy. I, I just find it so delightful and, and such a way to um, solve problems and be creative. And one of the biggest problems that I want to solve with my life and my career is, um, of course, the, the climate crisis. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's the only thing I want to spend my time on. So I always knew that cement was just such a huge lever for carbon reductions. And I remember in my PhD, my material science professor said, um, you know, everyone working on batteries, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, a one percent improvement in in cement CO two would have a bigger impact than like a ten percent improvement in battery performance. And when she said that, that really hit home for me because I know how hard it is to get a ten percent improve improvement in batteries. And so, you know, I was always attracted to this idea of going to the hardest problems. And I also think that because it cement, um, you know, it's, it's not something that is as a, you know, it gets as interest as, as lithium ion batteries, or maybe that's changing. And I think looking for innovations in, you know, forgotten places, I think that's where you can have a real outsized impact. So when I finished my PhD, I, I came to MIT with Canadian government funding that let me go anywhere, work with anyone. And I chose to work with Yet Ming Cheng at MIT. He's a serial entrepreneur and a prolific inventor. So um, definitely the type of person I like to work with. Um, and he suggested that we use electrochemistry to decarbonize cement making. And I have to be honest, like that idea just blew my mind because, um, you know, Electrochemistry is one department in a university and cement is, you know, often in civil engineering, um, you know, those two disciplines don't really cross pollinate. So that was just such a, a bold and brassy idea. And of course, it's rooted in all of these industry trends. So we know that, you know, um, you know, the electricity sector, which is about 30% of global CO2 emissions, that's quickly um, going to zero thanks to matured technologies like wind, solar, long duration energy storage. Um, and once we have a world that has, you know, abundant renewable electricity, like where else do we need innovation? And of course, the next biggest levers after the utility sector are cement and steel. And so we just started with that tagline of 
using electrochemistry to somehow decarbonize cement. And of course, I was coming from Canada from a school that perhaps nobody had heard of, um, except if you were a lithium ion battery scientist. So Dalhousie University in Canada. And I very much wanted to impress this, um, you know, very prolific and esteemed professor at MIT. So I got busy um, learning everything I could about cement and trying to basically work backwards from that tagline. And that's what I've been doing ever since then. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, I know that you founded Sublime in, in 2020. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, March 2020. In fact, Pi Day 2020, to be specific. So both my co-founder and I are, are a day we all remember, or at least mid-March 2020. Of course, yes. And uh, that's as we all know, a very, very difficult time in, in history and for the global economy at large, but specifically for the construction industry as well. How exactly did the idea for Sublime come to you at this point in time? And, and what was it like to found a company like this at this point in time? Well, at that point, we had been working on the technology for, for two years uh, at the lab at MIT. And we decided it was time to leave the university and sort of leave the bench talk. So we'd done our proof of concept, got done our techno-economic analysis, we'd done our customer discovery, and we had this thesis. So we had planned to spin out. Um, and, you know, <laughs> at that point when we spun out, we didn't know if the pandemic was going to last a day, a week, a month, or a year. And I don't think any, either of us guessed that it would last two years. Uh, but you know, I think nobody did. Yeah, it's a wild time. But I'd say it it almost made things easier because there's so much to figure out at the beginning, and you know, um, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> we all had nothing else to do, so we actually got busy quite quickly. Okay, and can you share a little bit more about the technology itself and what makes it different? Yeah, uh, first I'll start by talking about how cement is made today. So today's cement is made in these enormous fossil fuel fueled kilns. Um, the average cement plant produces a million tons of cement per year. Um, and, you know, one ton of Portland cement, that's today's modern cement, releases about one ton of CO2 emissions. And about half those emissions are from fossil fuel needed to heat these kilns to 1400 degrees Celsius. And then the other half of the CO2 emissions is from limestone, which is the primary ingredient for cement. So limestone is another word for calcium carbonate. Um, and it, it is a rock that is 50% by weight CO2. So, you know, the way you make cement is you take this limestone with some other minerals, um, and you you heat it up first to 900 degrees. And at that point, the calcium carbonate decomposes and releases CO2. Um, and then further to 1400 degrees, when all these minerals and all that calcium get melt and they get kind of sticky and they form a certain crystal um, that's characteristic of today's Portland cement. Um, you know, Sublime, you know, makes the same hardened concrete that Portland cement makes. And in fact, very similar to what the Romans uh, made, you know, millennia ago. But we go about the process in a different way. So Sublime is much more a process innovation than a material innovation. Um, the way we make cement is we 
take calcium bearing minerals, just like the kiln, and but instead of decomposing it with heat and high temperature, uh, which is very difficult to decarbonize um, efficiently, we break those minerals down with an electrochemical system. So we have an electrolyzer. It's a variation of a, a water splitting electrolyzer. So one electrode makes acid, the other electrode makes an alkaline solution. And then we use that pH gradient to drive chemistry. So the calcium is extracted um, using the acid and then precipitated again with that pH swing. Um, and then as a, a byproduct, we also create silicates. So the mineral we use to get the calcium is not limestone. It's not calcium carbonate. We can use almost anything that contains an appreciable amount of calcium can be an input for us. Um, and so a byproduct of our process is, is silicates. So our cement is um, more akin to Roman cement. So we take that reactive calcium, the reactive silicates that come from our process and we dry them off, blend them together into a free flowing powder. And then that reacts with water, gels, sets and hardens the same as you would expect today's Portland cement to do. Okay. Um, I'm curious, do you um, or does Sublime Systems have its own factory where you produce cement or do you work with other cement producers or, or do you sell the know-how? How, how does this work exactly? Yeah, all of the above. So when we spun out in March 2020, um, you know, I knew that our focus as a company had to be on scale because this is the biggest industry by mass in the whole world. We use more cement than any other material besides water. And it's a very, very large and very stoic industry. And you know, these kilns, they produce a million tons a year. It's absolutely gargantuan. So to be real, um, to be real in the eyes of the industry, to get going on our mission, to have a swift and massive impact on carbon emissions, we just have to start crawling up that scale curve. Um, and also it's necessary to produce enough material for customers. So the first thing we did, you know, I'm very proud um, of, you know, the first three years of Sublime, we went from a gram of material produced in a proof of concept cell to a kilogram and then to 10 kilograms continuously. And now we're operating a hundred ton per year pilot plant um, in Somerville very close to MIT and um, we validated the material that we're producing internally and externally and, and now it's in the hands of customers and we expect to announce our first construction projects very soon. Uh, can, can you share customer names? Uh, is it okay to? <laughs> I can't, but I have to say, that, um, you know, our, our customers are ready-mix concrete producers. So the folks that buy the cement powder, um, mix it with water, um, you know, in those rotating trucks. But but honestly, they, you know, there are a lot of people who are our customers, whether direct or indirect, because, you know, you own concrete and um, everybody, you know, owns a little square of concrete. We all pay taxes, um, you know, and the government, at least in the U.S., purchases around 50% or more of the cement produced. So there's actually a very long value chain. Cement is, you know, we sell cement to a concrete producer. They sell it to a contractor who, you know, pours and places it. And then ultimately, you know, the, the money flows up through a general contractor um, and then, you know, ultimately to that building owner. So everybody has a say. Um, 
in that cement. Everybody is a stakeholder. So, you know, our direct customer, you know, the cement goes directly from us to a concrete producer, but really everyone in that value chain has power to influence um, and drive adoption of low carbon products. Okay. And um, recently, I know that your product obtained, and I hope I get this right, ASTM C1157 designation, which, as I understand, is an industry standard that enables your product, Sublime Cement, to be used under major U.S. and international building codes. Uh, congratulations on that, by the way. Um, what was the process of meeting the standard like, and what does it mean in layman's terms, if you could possibly describe that? And um, how is Sublime Cement comparable to regular Portland cement? Yeah, you know, this... 1157 announcement was was so exciting for us and the accumulation of a lot of hard work. Um, but it's funny, it's total industry jargon. It's not only a series of random letters, it's also a series of random numbers. So ASTM is the um, American Society for Testing and Materials International. Um, and what they do is they you know, create definitions and test procedures for materials to make sure that they're safe and standardized. So um, what, what ASTM 1157 means, it's the performance-based specification for a hydraulic cement, which means um, it's defining a cement um, by its properties. It's a performance-based specification. So for many years, um, cement was defined by its crystal structure. So the crystals, uh, you know, the crystallographic uh, structure of what is produced in a 1400 degrees Celsius cement kiln. And that is what's made it very difficult to decarbonize cement because you're solving for that chemistry. Now, recently, this ASTM 1157 um, has gained prominence, it was created in 1992, um, and it's very important because it defines cement not by its chemistry, but by its performance. So cement is a material where you add a certain amount of water to the powder, and that mixture will form a gel, and then it'll harden, and then it will, you know, have this compressive strength and that durability, and this is how you measure the durability in all these different ways. And so this standard is very important because that lets you solve for the real problem, which is to create a low carbon material that meets the needs of the construction industry. You know, the problem is not to create a material with a certain crystal structure. That is a very narrow way of solving the problem. Um, so it was a really big deal when, when our material, um, you know, passed that standard, because it means now that, you know, we can go in and start to use our material um, in, in all, all the ways that it's, it's used today. And I have to say, it was a journey, you know, us as electrochemists, coming into this when we were still a very small team, maybe three or four, you know, we, we read a lot of papers about cement. We were like, oh, this is easy. You know, you just mix some, some lime with some silicates and then you add some water and, you know, look, these people are getting great results. We can get it too. And oh boy, like, <laughs> were we wrong? About that? So our first cement cubes, um, you know, I can say this now because we're so far away from those days, but they were, they were so they, you know, they crumbled in our hands like brown sugar. And so we learned a great deal. And 
honestly, with a lot of help, like a lot of help from our customers where we're like, you know, we want to make this cement and they're like, okay, well, this is the type of equipment you need to buy. These are how you run the tests. And yeah, you know, it was so encouraging just seeing month by month, quarter by quarter, our cement get uh, stronger and, um, you know, measuring not only the main properties of strength, set time flow, but all of the minor properties as well that ASTM requires, and even some of the properties that ASTM doesn't require. And I am just so proud. And, uh, you know, we also have, um, to use a pun, like just a rock star cement team where we have, you know, folks who've moved their families from from overseas and, and you know, someone who's come out of retirement from, you know, a decades long career in cement to to really build this product. And it's something that I'm incredibly proud of launching. And a probably randomly specific question, but how does one go about measuring the durability of, of the cement? That's a great question. So durability, um, I mean, there's durability is a broad class of things. So there's, you know, freeze thaw resistance, there's um, alkali sulfate, um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that, you know, there's known degradation mechanisms for, for cement. And then there's specific ways that, that those are tested. For example, for freeze thaw, we have um, something that I like to, it looks like a cryogenic coffin, to be honest. It's like, <laughs> and so we put our, our concrete cylinders in there and it, it freezes and thaws it and freezes it and thaws it. And it can do, you know, um, you know, 30 winters in an accelerated way. Um, and that's how we measure freeze thaw. And likewise, you know, this durability, because, you know, it actually you've hit on a very important problem. It is very hard um, for things like cement and also things like batteries, which are meant to last for for decades, um, you know, batteries are, are, well, actually batteries are often not meant to last for decades. Um, and I know this from my, my work on batteries, um, you know, before electric vehicles, batteries were meant to last, you know, three years maximum. I think there's a lot of planned obsolescence in the cell phone industry. I think we all know about that. So when electric vehicles first came onto the market, and I realize I'm take, going on a tangent, you'll realize where this is going. But yeah, when electric vehicles first came on the market, it was, you know, Tesla wanted to know um, what sort of warranty they could put on their battery, because no one had ever, um, had ever really pushed the lifetime limits of batteries. So, you know, part of my work in my PhD was developing these accelerated tests. So how can you test a battery very quickly and within a couple months predict with very good accuracy how long it will last and in what conditions. And so the, it's the same thing with cement. You can do these accelerated tests that are very well known and ASTM and all those committees are involved in creating and refining these test methods. Um, so you, it's basically very harsh accelerated tests like soaking the concrete in really um, aggressive sulfate solutions and then watching how that cement expands. You can predict how it would crack um, over time in a much milder situation. Sorry, I'm a chemist, so I did take a deep dive there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That, that was my intention, actually. I'm really fascinated by the, by the details of what you do and... Uh... Thank you. Thank you for the insight. But on a broader level, let's say, uh, how do you see low carbon or even carbon negative cement scaling and and becoming more more popular? You know, I think it's going to 
you know, the industry is changing very, very quickly. I think even those who've been in the industry for decades have told me, Leah, I have never seen the industry respond so quickly. Um, and I, I think it's, it's not only important, um, Morally, I think it's a good business choice. You know, we have to de-risk our supply chains. We have to find other products because, you know, 2050 is 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 less than 30 years away. Um, so, you know, everybody's moving to decarbonize. And I think it, it, everybody's moving to decarbonize in general, as you know, and, and why I think cement um, is a, a very interesting way of decarbonizing is because, it is a very inexpensive product. Cement today, because it's made at such massive scale, costs about 130 bucks a ton in the US. Um, and you know, these new technologies like Sublime and also post-combustion carbon capture, you know, that that tax on a lot of cost onto making cement. So not only do you have to have this very large kiln, you also have to have this very large carbon capture plant that's always going to double the cost of cement making. Um, and you know, Sublime's technology, we think that we can compete on cost with today's cement that's made in kilns, um, no carrots, no sticks, um, when we are at scale. And that's because what we're doing is we're not adding on to that cement plant. We're not adding a different unit or you know more um, unit operations. What we're doing is replacing that system with another system. So you know the limit how cheap our technology could get um, is within range of the selling price of today's um, Portland cement. However, right now, because we're making it at such small scale, you know, I like to joke that we've got a cement plant for ants. Um, because yeah. It's small. <laughs> yeah, I know it has to be, you know, at least three times bigger than this. Um, but because it's small, we have... Uh, sorry, it has to be three times bigger to, to what? Oh, that was just a joke from uh, Zoolander. Um, maybe so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be much more than three times uh, larger. So, you know, today we're at 100 tons a year, but really we have to get to um, a million tons per year. And when you're making cement at such a small scale, it's going to have... Um, it's it's going to be a boutique product with a premium. And that would be true even if you took Portland cement and made it, you know, at this, this ant-sized scale. But the exciting thing is that, you know, even if we charge a 2x green premium or even like, let's say a 3x green premium on low carbon cement, the dollars you are spending per ton of carbon you avoid is still very low, especially when you compare this to other clean technologies like direct air carbon capture or like sustainable aviation fuel. Um, it actually, you know, if you're talking about a, a large company like Amazon or Google or, um, you know, if they want to lower their scope three carbon emissions and they want to do so in the cheapest way possible, I think low carbon cement is in fact an obvious choice for them. And that's why I think it's going to be one of the most important levers um, as we go forward. Um, circling back to the 100 million tons per year uh, that you mentioned, is this the scale necessary to bring the cost down to, to make it comparable to like regular cement? Or what exactly is this is this scale needed for? Yeah, that's right. It is to bring the cost down, but it's also 
you know, the scale needed to produce the volume that the market demands. So cement plants have gotten so big and cement has therefore gotten so expensive um, simply because you have to produce so much of it. Um, is this is this for the U.S. only? Sorry. Yeah, so the U.S. Um, cons consumes about 100 million tons of cement per year. Um, but globally, it's about 4, 4 billion tons of, of cement per year. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's a it's a massive industry. Have you considered um, expanding like beyond the U.S.? Totally. So our Sublime's mission is to have a swift and massive impact on CO2 emissions. That is the only thing I care about, um, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, I hope my investors aren't listening. I mean, I do. I do expect to run a profitable company, but in my opinion, like that is a byproduct of success. And we measure our success in the amount of low carbon cement we produce and sell integrated over time. Um, and I think, you know, we, you could do that in, in the States, but really most of the cement that will be produced um, and most of the cement plants that will be built before 2050 are going to be in developing countries such as India um, and regions such as Africa. So, you know, if we want to achieve this mission of, of decarbonizing cement, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go and deploy this all over the world as quickly as possible, especially in developing countries who are going to be building the most. And um, so, you know, our first you know, we have to build this technology close to home where we're a US based um, group. And so we're building this first commercial plant um, in Massachusetts. Uh, but, you know, once that first commercial plant is up and running and we validated not only the product, but also the process, we will be looking to deploy this internationally and ideally with help from the um, incumbent cement majors. I think we recognize that as a startup, um, what we understand and do really well is, you know, electrochemistry, material science, building this, you know, first of a kind electrochemical system. But we can't have that swift and massive carbon impact or, you know, we can't do it as quickly and as massively um, alone. I think, you know, the cement industry, although it is old and perhaps not innovative, they are experts in what they do and they do it very, very well. So, mining, crushing, grinding, logistics, transportation, um, all of, you know, transporting massive amounts of material on time and on spec. Um, you know, these are, you know, for me as an innovator and a chemist, like these are not the things that, 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 you know, get, get me out of bed in the morning, but we have to partner with people who do get out of bed in the morning um, with a drive to do those things. And, and that's how I think we'll, we'll, will succeed in this mission together. So my last question for you before we finish up. Um, so these are obviously Sublime's plans for the for the more distant future, let's say. Um, but what are your next steps? Like moving on from here, what's what's next for Sublime? Yeah, what's next for Sublime is is the next level of scale. So today we are operating this this pilot plant um you know we finished building it just after christmas it's done almost a thousand hours of uptime it's produced tons of cement and so now that we've optimized it we have the the data and the plans for 
our next scale up. So this is somewhere between where we are now at 100 tons a year and where we need to be at a million tons a year. Obviously, a million ton per year cement plant is an, an, an enormous, um, it's enormously costly. Um, even today's cement plants are hundreds of millions of dollars. And so before we go you know, straight to full scale, we have to build this mid-sized first commercial plant, which is large enough to be commercially relevant and industrially relevant, but isn't yet at the scale where you can compete on cost. Um, so that is our next step. And um, I hope your listeners will, will follow Sublime's progress because um, we expect to be announcing some interesting news over the coming months and years about the, the build out of that plant. Oh, certainly. And we certainly hope to have you as a guest again uh, on this podcast. Leah, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Uh, it was a genuine pleasure to have you here as a guest. And uh, I really appreciate the insight you shared with us today. Thank you again. Thanks, Violet. If you enjoyed this episode of the Carbon Stations podcast and would like to hear more conversations like this, please be sure to subscribe. We really appreciate the support.